This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy transition in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. Renewable energy is growing and growing fast. The International Energy Agency recently estimated that by 2025, renewable energy will make up 35% of all generated power. But there's a catch. Getting all of that renewable power from where it's generated to where it is needed is going to take a lot of investment into our power grid. Over 70% of our current electrical grid is over 25 years old, and it's bursting at the seams in handling the challenges of the new energy transition. In today's episode, I take a look at the infrastructure behind the renewable energy headlines, and why transmission may be a huge bottleneck to achieving our net zero goals. Eight minutes is how long it takes for the sun's rays to hit Earth, or about how long it takes in the morning for me to delete all those spam email messages that I got overnight. Let's get it on. Transmission is the backbone of the electrical grid. Think of the process to get power to your house as basically being broken down into three components. The power is generated. It's transmitted long distances over those super big towers and wires you see out by the highway. And then it's stepped down and sent over the utility poles directly into the meter at your house. While a lot of work is being done on cleaning up the first part of that equation, how power is generated, the transmission component is maybe even more important to figure out. See, boosting the renewable energy on our grid means more than simply installing more solar cells on rooftops. Wind farms require a ton of acreage, and frankly, big solar projects in the southwest benefit from not only consistent sun, but also the economies of scale in constructing those projects in the first place. But getting the power from those remote locations to where the power is needed, well, that takes transmission. And our existing infrastructure just isn't big enough to handle all that new renewable power. In fact, we've built so much renewable power recently that at certain times of the day, we're generating more power than the transmission network can handle. And we're forced to turn some of those clean supply options off, a process called curtailing. How prevalent is that? Consider California, which in 2022 was forced to curtail 2.5 million megawatt hours of renewable energy. That's roughly enough electricity to power 285,000 individual homes, all shut off. The solar panels are there, the wind turbines are in the ground, but they aren't generating power for the grid. Now, not all of that is due to transmission, but the Union of Concerned Scientists estimates that 50 to 60% of all curtailment is due to congestion on the transmission lines. If we're going to get serious about converting our power structure, we're going to have to fix transmission. The thing is, transmission investment is usually a utility spend. Utilities are constantly evaluating their infrastructure and proposing to their regulators options on improving the reliability and safety of the power. And sometimes regulators will sign off on the construction of a new transmission project to help alleviate grid congestion. But you can imagine the layers of red tape and bureaucracy that accompanies those big decisions. There have been moves in the past to privatize the construction of new transmission, making it more competitive and market-driven. In fact, the power grid in Texas, ERCOT, experienced a lot of success with what they termed the Competitive Renewable Energy Zones, or CRES, in Texas. ERCOT socialized the cost of those new projects across every customer's bill, and over the course of just a few years managed to build around 3,600 miles of new transmission in the state. In 2009, Curtailment of renewable resources was at 17%, but by 2014, 
that number had fallen to 0.5%. On the back of the CRES success, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, FERC, offered up Order 1000, which opened up a path for non-utility transmission projects to get built. The idea was to generate competition and create a market for private capital to flow into the space. Unfortunately, it kind of bombed. The Brattle Group, in something of a post-mortem, estimates that only about 3% of all transmission projects ended up falling under Order 1000. Everything else was just utility built anyway. FERC Order 1000 was a good premise, but just ran into a lot of commercial and logistical problems. So today, FERC continues to try to just tweak the system and remove barriers for certain types of projects. For instance, it's been difficult to cite projects that cross state lines. Because not only does the developer need to get rights of way through all the towns and homesteads along the path of the line, but now they need to deal with multiple state governments, different regulatory bodies, and sometimes utility entities that may not be receptive to their proposal. The Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, the IIJA, tried to remove some of those barriers at least, granting FERC additional powers to help overcome certain permitting blocks. And the IIJA created the Federal Transmission Facilitation Program of $2.5 billion to help accelerate some shovel-ready projects. And for a moment, it looked like the Inflation Reduction Act might include a tax incentive for transmission for the first time. But that didn't quite happen. In fact, not enough is happening. There's a major need for new investment, but making permitting a bit easier and investing $2.5 billion those aren't really needle movers for the industry. Princeton University estimates that it's going to take $350 billion to modernize our current transmission grid. So, absent a critical overhaul of the transmission infrastructure, utilities are turning to new technology to help out. Take, for instance, LineVision, a company that applies sensors and advanced analytics to help take existing transmission lines and squeeze even more capacity out of the same wires. In LineVision's case, that could be upwards of 40% more capacity. They do this through something called dynamic line rating, which takes into account the ambient temperature and weather conditions on the wires. We don't want those conductors to overheat, but maybe we can run them a bit hotter during cooler weather or when the wind is blowing strong and get a bit more production out of what we already have. As new solar and wind projects come online, we need to ensure that the transmission infrastructure will be there to get that power to the places where it's needed most. Fortunately, some big projects are moving forward, such as the Champlain-Hudson line in upstate New York or the 10 West Link in California. And hopefully, with the growth of offshore wind coming, we'll see some complementary lines being developed there too. But those transmission projects tend to be within state lines. If we're really going to see renewable energy penetration like what's being forecasted, we're going to need wires that travel across the U.S. FERC and others will need to do more to make it easier for those projects to get permitted, financed, and constructed. I'm Paul Schuster, and this has been your 8 Minutes.